Welcome back to the iCoach Podcast. This is your host, Marvin Nash. I'm joined by a longtime friend, uh, Coach James Vent. Uh, back in 2015, I reached out to Coach Vent through Twitter. I had bought two of his books that he uh, that he sold uh, regarding uh, pistol run plays and pistol option plays. And I was a young OC trying to figure things out. And just on the whim, I reached out on Twitter. Uh, I contacted Coach Vent. And, uh, and I asked him, could he help me? And he replied back almost immediately saying, I'll do whatever I can to help you be successful. Uh, I think that speaks to the character of the man that I, that we have uh, on our show today. So Coach Vint, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me. I'm honored. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, taking us all the way back then, I think you were just coming out of the college ranks, Coach Vint. Can you uh, give a, a little bit of background of, uh, of your football knowledge? Well, uh, I grew up, my dad was a coach and uh, played for a Hall of Fame coach in Akron, Iowa. Uh, Craig Parkinson was his name. And then I went to Collinworth City, Iowa and played for a Hall of Fame coach there, Larry Corver, and um, ended up transferring, played baseball and, at Briarcliff University. And when I graduated, I got on the wrong plane and uh, ended up in New York City and spent eight years in the Bronx. And we had taken over a program that had really struggled. Um, the school as a whole had struggled. Uh, school opened in 1939 and they'd never been to the playoffs and never had a winning season. We ended up having some success with great kids and I worked for a head coach forever. Uh, absolutely uh, poured into me. And then I had a coaching mentor while I was there, a guy named Jerry Campbell. And uh, Jerry's a Texas guy. He was uh, at that time, the offense coordinator at uh, Westwood in Round Rock for uh, Mike Spradlin was a head coach. And uh, Jerry kind of mentored me and Next thing you know, we had a lot of success. I ended up at the college levels in OC, uh, moved around a little bit at the college level and met my wife and uh, ended up uh, deciding I was going to marry her and moved down to Lubbock and, and uh, been in the coach to a few different places and commuted uh, for the last 11 years. Fantastic. I know it's a lot of people uh, see the the college ranks as an as a opening to get you know, back into the high school level and to, and to teach kids uh, and try to help them reach the college level. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, your roles in the past as a recruiting coordinator and helping kids find that, that avenue to get to college? You know, and I kind of fell into it because when we were in the Bronx, like I said, the program hadn't been good. And he gives me a shot at young coaches as OC before I was ready. And um, all of a sudden we had a couple talented kids and we had coaches start to come in. And I start asking them, hey, what do we need to do to help get these guys recruited? And one of the guys that I struck up a friendship with was Chip Kelly, who was coaching at New Hampshire and recruit. He came in to recruit. And I asked him, how do I get these guys their name out? How do I help get them recruited? And he was a big help. And then Larry Johnson, who, who was at Penn State, now he's at, at uh, Penn State. And man, he just, they, they helped a lot with, here's how you market guys. Here's, and of course, it was different then. You know, we sat there with two VHS tapes making highlight films, you know, and you're hoping it's not squiggly at the start of the play. You left enough leader. And uh, but those guys really poured into me and helped me learn what needed to be done. And then it helped a lot uh, when I went to the college level, because when college coaches come in to recruit, I think as high school coaches, we looked, I admired them and I asked questions and always would take advantage. Ask quite, like one time the head David Diaz, who I work for. He got mad at me because uh, Kyle Flood came in to recruit. I think Kyle might have been at Delaware at the time. All right, now he's the Texas O-line coach, but I think he might have been at Delaware. You know, he was young. And Kyle Flood comes in and, and really smart 
our coach, he's a couple of our guys, and he leaves. And Coach Diaz says, uh, hey, what was that? And I go, what do you mean? I gave him all the information he needed. He said, no, no, you didn't get him on the board. And that was one of the things that he told us was when a college coach comes in, you ask questions, get him on the board and take notes, learn football. So when I went and got a chance at the college level, I kind of looked at guys like Kyle Flood and, and Chip Kelly and the really good recruiters at the time, Ryan Vanderlind and these guys that were really good and said, how did they recruit? And then you see some other guys that maybe didn't do it as well. What, what made them special? And, and so I was able to take that. And then of course, being on the other side now, when I got back into high school coaching, after being the evaluator and seeing that other side, it really, it opened my eyes to some things that I didn't understand. And now I have a, a bedrock of knowledge to give our players because there's times as a high school, you know, this is a recruiting coordinator. There's some frustrating things, but now I kind of understand why some of those frustrating things happen. Uh, and then I also know why some of them shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Hey, why can't, and you know, we, we talk, we're, we're, you know, we had a bunch of that, that little group that we're a part of and so much great information being shared and guys, why did this college coach do this? It's, I don't know. I don't last week that didn't have pins. They didn't have a card. They didn't have literature. They didn't have a pen. Wow. <laughs> I, as an OC, I, I had two rules. Uh, just two simple things that not non-negotiables. Got to have a pen. Always got to have a pen. And you got to have a whistle. Any practice plans are really three. But you got to have, that's what you got to have. And then bring the juice and coach your guys. But if you don't have a pen, how can you write something down? You're going to forget. If you don't have your practice plan, you're going to be on period six when we're on period eight. That's pretty simple. And if you don't have a whistle, how, you know, we get mad at guy. Hey, how come you're not blocking through the whistle? Cause you're not blowing a whistle during the drill. Yes, sir. You have your whistle. So little thing, but I, but I think um, just being able to go through that experience, see both sides of it and then come full circle back to the high school level. I think it, it's really helped a lot. And I don't have all the answers and that's why I lean on guys like you and, and Justin Owens and, and those guys, Chad Johnson, you know, I lean on those guys to, to fill in those gaps because we've got some great coaches in Texas. Absolutely. Absolutely, Coach. Oh, well, that's one thing I noticed when I first got into uh, the profession is that we have great coaches in Texas and great coaches that are willing to, to help each other be great in Texas. There's almost like no competition. We all want to see each other be successful unless we're lining up against each other on a Friday night, you know. But other than that, we want to help each other out. And uh, I think that was, again, that was uh, part of the intro I gave for you. That was one of the big things I learned about you is that you were looking to help others. Uh, can you tell me this? What inspired you to start writing uh, books on scheme uh, to help other coaches be successful? You know, it kind of, it all happened by accident. Um, we went to, we went to the first clinic, you know, I went to some clinics with my dad when I was a kid, but the first clinic I went to as a coach was in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, the Chris Coughlin, who owns Glazier Clinics, owned what's called Mega Clinics at the time. So we go, it says, we're watching all these guys speak and I'm taking notes and it's awesome. And it's, it's just football all, you know, that's all it is. And it's, it's unbelievable. And um, I want to go to more clinics, but I couldn't afford to go and we didn't have the budget to pay. So we've got one, our school paid for one. And uh, Glazier said, or uh, not Glazier, Mega Clinic allowed you to, you could be a volunteer. So I sign up to be a clinic volunteer. Hey, great. Come to Baltimore. So I get to go to Baltimore and be a volunteer. So now I'm going to Atlantic City and Baltimore. Work hard. You know, you may not get to see all the speakers you want to see, but you get to go to the clinic. You get a free hotel room. All you're basically paying for some of your meals. 
And your and the thing is, the guys working the clinic are all great coaches. A guy named Dave Riley, who's a retired athletic director from Willingboro, New Jersey, and a legendary coach, played in the USFL, played at West Virginia, one of the best men you'll ever meet. David ran, kind of ran the crew for those clinics. He was the director of all those East Coast clinics. David gets me going to Boston and Springfield. And well, I always bring my tapes because we talk football at reality room and we're all up there talking ball after the speakers are done. So I bring my tapes, you know, we're, ta we're talking. Well, lo and behold, we're at a clinic speaker doesn't show up. He's talking about midline. Chris Coughlin comes up. Hey, Vint, you got your tapes? Yes, sir. Why, why don't you get in there? And, and I was begging. Hey, let me speak. He's like, got your shot. He said, I'm not going to pay you but I'll get you dinner tonight, but go in. And, so I get to go in and fill in for a speaker from air force who couldn't make it because of a flight issue. And I'm talking midline option and well, and I got to speak at some clinics and then coach's choice approached me about doing some videos and we do some videos. They treat you first class. Dr. Jim Peterson flies you out to Monterey, California, where his studios are and, and pays for your trip. And you, you film your videos and it's really well done. And, and then Dr. Peterson says now, I'd love you to write a book. And I said, Dr. Peterson, I, I don't know if I could do that. And uh, it took two years to write the first book and 15 days to write, had the format down. Uh, but that's kind of how it started was Dr. Peterson said, hey, I think this would be something good. Why don't you try it? Because I'd, I'd like to get some pistol stuff out there. So I wrote, I mean, it was, I'm going to tell you right now, thank goodness there's editors because it's terrible. It was awful. I mean, just, they sent it back to me with like, literally every page the whole thing in red i think they just took red across bad grammar but uh but it was a lot of fun and that was really the deal um i told you my mentor jerry jerry had written a couple books on offensive line play and option football he taught me so much football poured into me but that's what jerry said is hey if you ever have an opportunity always give back he said people poured into me because i asked him i'm like why do you spit you know you answer every call if I text you, you text me. If I email you, you email me. He said, because people poured into me, I'm going to pour into you. And then I want you to pour into others. And he said, that's really important. And he said, it's okay if you don't know the answer, but always be there for people. Tell them, hey, I'm, but he said, if someone asks you a question, you know the answer. He said, share. So be willing to share. And I think that's important as coaches. And that's kind of how it started with writing those books was just Dr. Peterson giving me the opportunity. They edited the books to make me sound a little smarter than I am. And, uh, and it was an opportunity to share at that time. Not many people were in the pistol, you know, it was something that was kind of, I don't know what the word you'd use. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, an oddity. It just wasn't quite accepted as much as it is today. Absolutely. And I remember I would, cause I was a young coach and I was like, man, I don't know what this pistol thing is, but I like it. Cause I love being under center. And so when I saw the book, I was like, okay, this looks really interesting. I'm just going to go out on the limb and order, and order it. And, you know, I don't know how many years later now, uh, even in this current offense that I'm in, I'm, I still find myself referring to your books to, uh, to, to see some different nuances to add to our wrinkles in our offense. And I, I just think it's remarkable that you put all of that information out there for everyone and that you're willing to, you know, help anyone for free. I think if, uh, if anyone asks you questions uh, via Twitter, uh, ask questions about scheme, you're always willing to help. And that just, that speaks to your mentors and what, what they poured into you. I think it's, it's, it's important. I think it really is. And, and something I always tell guys too, uh, I tell young coaches, don't be afraid to, to coach the other side of the ball for your development. 
you know, that, that is something that I think a lot of guys get themselves locked into. I'm a, I'm an offense or I'm a secondary coach. Now be a ball coach, be a ball coach and get to, cause my, you know, when I was talking about my career, I got really lucky. I was the OC at Columbus high school and we had success and we were gaining yards and scoring points. And, and we went through a couple of DCs, you know, every year, new DC. And I remember just, we had won a game. I think it was, we had won 62 49 or something. I mean, it was, and I'm in the office for an hour on Saturday and the DC gave up 500 yards and nothing gets said. So I said, you know, the head coach like, Hey, I'm interviewing another DC candidate. And this is before the 05 season. And I was like, listen, how about this, Dave? I said, because we coached both sides of the ball there. So I coached our, our secondary guys. Uh, and then was our OC and coach quarterbacks on offense. I said, how about if I take the defense? I'll coach quarterbacks and I'll take the defense. And you, you, you're an offensive guy. Anyway, you take the offense. I want that guy's job. If I can give up 49 and not here, I, let's do, not really, but I was like, look, I'll, I'll take the defense. So I ended up coaching, being our DC in 05. And really, really enjoyed it. And it made me look at the game an entire, even though we coach full sides, I looked at the game entirely different. And then the crazy thing was, I go from being a high school DC, the next year I'm a college OC. That's not, that's just not a, that's a, that odd thing. Cause that journey brought me to meet my wife and, and, and be, be in Lubbock, Texas. And then I go from being, a college OC to go into a bigger school coaching on the defensive side. So it's just, it's, (laughs) it's, it's crazy how that works, but each one of those steps helps you to be, you know, every coach needs to be as well-rounded as you can be. And it's great to be an expert at one thing, but if you have aspirations to be a coordinator, uh, to be a head coach, I think having a variety of experience is for young coaches, especially, you know, doing a year of junior high football. I think every coach needs to, show a seventh grade B team kid how to put a girdle and shoulder pads on. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and, and learn how to paint fields. That's, that's important. Mm-hmm. Not that you have to do it as much today, but, and then the second thing is coaching both sides of the ball. I just think having that little bit of experience, you know, I think that's a, a great developmental thing. I know it helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree, coach. I was a defensive player in high school, defensive player in college. And if you had told me, 20 some odd years later, I'd be an offensive coordinator. I would say, you're crazy. I don't understand <laughs> that stuff, but it, it made me a better offensive coach. You know, I, I was a skilled guy for the most part. Well, you know, I, I had to coach offensive line at one point that made me a better coach. So I'm with you hundred percent there. Mm-hmm. And then the junior high thing is another thing that, that gets skipped over these days, I think, but uh, there's something humbling about coaching a seventh grade C teamer, or, or going 0-10, but the kids are playing as hard as they possibly can for you. But it, it just makes you a better teacher, I think, too. And that's important. You, to be a good coach, you, you've got to be a great teacher. Yeah, you've got to be able to break things down to that simplest form. And if you can, that's what Kent Jackson, who I worked for at Lubbock Coronado and at Seminole, Kent's one of the best men you'll ever meet. And when we'd be in our coaches meetings explaining, you know, I'm up there talking about our offense and here's what we're running. And he'd say, now stop right there, Coach Vent. I need you to teach everybody here how to teach it to a seventh grade B teamer. If we can't teach a seventh grade B teamer, we're not going to run it. Yes, sir. All right. And this is how we're going to do this drill. So if a seventh grade B teamer can do it, our program can do it. He he did think that was important. I think it 
You know, you hit the nail on the head about being a teacher. Because if you can't teach, you're, you're probably not, not going to be a very good coach. Agree, agree, coach. Now, I know we've alluded to this quite a bit, though, but I think for both of us, uh, our faith is really important to us as, as men, as leaders of, of young men, uh, as, as family men. Uh, the most recent book that you've put out, Finding Faith, can you tell me what inspired that book and, uh, and kind of what, what that book is all about? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, you know, it, it really came about, I mean, it, it's something that I never expected I would write. And a lot of guys who, who know me know that I had a lot of time of my life where I was wild and did not live right. Um, while I grew up in a Christian home and was baptized, I did not live that way. Uh, uh, anything I did really didn't. And um, I, I'm just going to tell you, I lived bad, I lived wrong, and I, and I led a lot of people down the wrong path. Um, and the last couple of years, and, and a big part of it was Kent Jackson. Kent changed my life because Kent was the first man I ever met who proclaimed to be a Christian and lived 100% exactly like he proclaimed. I grew up with a lot of people who were Christians in name and on the outside character. It was a show. And Kent was a real man. And he sat me down and and, and heart to heart, man to man, discipled me and encouraged me. And, and while I, I didn't always reflect what he was teaching, I was catching all of it, you know, more, more caught than taught. And um, as we got into uh, this year, my wife and I went through some adversity. You know, we were talking before, and I, I am, you know, my mother passed away during the season, and uh, that was really difficult. I back up to Iowa and, and, and um, went back up to be with my dad and my, my family for for a short amount of time and ended up missing some practice, missed a game and um, probably should have stayed longer. But when I, when I came back, uh, my wife was pregnant. We ended up losing a baby. And well, I haven't really talked about that um, a lot with people, but, but it made me really at one point question God's role in my life. And a religious mentor of mine, uh, a clinic and really poured into me over that incident. And as he ministered to me and kind of pastored to me, and I've been going on this spiritual journey and trying to change my life and change who I am, uh, I started writing and journaling. And that was kind of how I dealt with the grief. So I'm writing and I'm journaling and, and, you know, I just, I felt something inside of me saying, you need to put this, just put it on paper, just put it on paper. And as I felt, I shared it with my wife and she's like, you, you may want to share this with people. This is impactful. Shared it with a couple of friends and they said the same thing. This is really impactful. And next thing you know, it's a 175 page book. And it's just, it was, and, and as I look at it now, cause I continue to grow my faith. I'm like, man, I was a spiritual kindergartner when I wrote that. Now I'm a first grader, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, it's basically talking about, Sell all you have, and here's the crazy. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know if I need to get up and get on the pulpit, but the only man to walk the face of the earth without sinning paid the price for everybody's sins. Everybody's, not just the righteous. He paid the price for saints and sinners. He paid the price for people that you know. We get mad at someone. We're upset. Oh, that person. How could? Guess what? Jesus died for that person. 
That person that bothers you, that disagrees, hey, that person that politicized for them too. So we need to, it, it just, as I started to dive into scripture and put this onto paper, it, what it really did was it made me realize that I've got to become a better person. I've got to be closer to God. And I've got to understand what he was truly teaching. The, the unconditional brotherly agape love and what that really means. And it just, that, that's how the book came about was I just wanted to share that with as many people as possible. And, and I pray, and I said, God, I just want to get this in front of people because I lived a lie for so long. I, I know the truth. I want to share the truth with others. I want them to see the power of, of the Holy Spirit and how, when you let the Holy Spirit live inside of you, you no longer have to own your problems. You got the Holy Spirit's inside of you and it lives in each and every one of us. We just got to open ourselves to it. So that's how it came about, man. I just wanted to share that with people. And, um, and again, I, I still, I'm broken. That's what being a Christian means is I'm broken. I can't do it alone. I'm a sinner. I need, I need help, buddy. Cause I'm gonna make this. I'm a king of sinners. All right. But I, but I am, I do know that I'm saved. Absolutely. Absolutely. That spoke to me, uh, uh, completely right there because we, we are all struggling and fighting these battles that a lot of people have no idea about, you know, and, you know, we, we, we talk quite often and I had no idea that you were going through those trials at that time. And I think it speaks again to, I'll take it full circle to the introduction. When you're passionate about something and, and, you're, and, it, and it brings you joy, you want to share it with others. And whether it be the content of football that you shared with everyone, or more importantly, the gospel of Christ that, that, that brings you so much joy and, and peace in times like this, you're still willing to put that on paper and share that with, with others. And it, it, there's something to be said about someone who's able to go through something that you've gone through and, uh, and be able to not only just talk about it now on the podcast, but to be able to write an entire book about it and talk about the faith that, uh, that, that, that makes us strong. So I, I really appreciate that, Coach Van. Well, and I think, you know, the, and we talk about football and, and everything, but I think the most important thing and, and, and something that, that affects us as coaches, you know, you see a lot of guys that, that burn out and, and things like that. And, and I think we all face fatigue. You know, you have a long, especially when things don't go well, you, you face like a, a certain level of fatigue. But I think what that really comes from is why do we coach? Do we coach to win games or do we coach with the purpose of making an impact on young people Ball to help them to learn responsibility and accountability and unconditional love and trust and, and all those things that they're going to need to be great dads and husbands. And when we keep our eye on our purpose, the win-loss record doesn't affect you. The, the, nothing really can get in the way of that. When we lose our purpose, that's, that's when we start to get torn up inside. And I think I've gone through that a few different times in my career where I felt like I'm not serving my purpose right now because I'm emphasizing wins. I'm chasing yards. We're chasing, instead of tra chasing the opportunity to help young men to grow and become better people. I agree wholeheartedly right there. Uh, <clears throat> I think there's, there's so much to be said for, you know, our profession, because the, I mean, what's highlighted the wins and the losses. And there are some just amazing coaches that have coached some, some losing teams but they're amazing because of the young men that they produced, the, the lives they've changed, the, the, the selflessness that they've showed. And, you know, 
it, it gets it gets passed over. But as long as that is is our focus and we understand what our purpose is and what our why is, uh, we continue to to make a difference. And coach, that's uh, that's what you've done. That's what you know, coaches like myself, I know that's my purpose every time. I don't know if I fulfill it every time, but that's always the goal whenever I take a job is to make it better than when I left it and to be who I needed when I was younger. And as long as we can keep the profession about that, I think we can continue to grow it and uh, in turn grow the gospel. So Coach Vint, gosh, this is uh, this is probably one of the more powerful uh, podcasts that I've put out in this season. I really appreciate you sharing uh, not only your your journey and your coaching journey, but also your spiritual journey with us. It's been, it's, you know, and it's, it's ever changing and it's every day and, mm-hmm. and it's, and that's what it's all about is, is your journey. It's not really about the destination because once you get somewhere, you need a new destination to go to. <laughs> yes. But I think, but, but I do, I appreciate you, you know, letting me come on and, and visit with you. And I, you know, I profession in the world. Anytime we're working in education, we have a chance to impact kids. And not only that, we're going to impact kids and they're going to go out and impact people. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a generational impact. And I think that's uh, it's something that that uh, is so much bigger than, like you said, the wins and losses. But the key is if you do coach with a purpose and you build that unconditional love and you build men of character, you will win more games. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the the trade off that goes with it. And if you don't do those things, then you're you're probably not going to have as much success. You know, if we, if we make a, an impact on kids and we can help them to grow into men, man, that's what it's about. Cause that's what they're going to call us about. Mm-hmm. They're not going to call us and say, Hey coach, thanks for teaching me how to double team block. Thank, thanks for teaching me how to get hip to hip on that combo. Hey coach, thanks for teaching me, you know, how to offhand jam in press coverage. They're going to say, Hey coach, I remember that story that you told when I, when, uh, when I lost my my sister in that accident and how you helped me get through there. You know, when I didn't have a place to, to stay or food on the table and, and you were willing to help my family, you know, things like that. Or when you believed in me when no one else would, I, you know what I, I learned, I got to share this real quick. Mm-hmm. Cedric Benson, right. Mm-hmm. Who, who recently passed, but Cedric, obviously one of the best running backs ever in Texas high school football, John Parchman, who was the head coach of Midland Lee when Cedric was in high school, he spoke at our, our Lubbock ISD coaches deal last year. Cedric Benson was a center. Mm-hmm. He was a, and what John Parchman was talking about was for those of you guys that coach middle school football, understand that that kid that's not very athletic, that's undersized, that can't tie his shoes, that, you know, has two left feet, doesn't know how to move yet. You better make him love football because if Cedric Benson's seventh grade coaches treated him the, based on his ability to play high school football, he'd have quit. But because his coaches loved him, poured into him, he was still around when his athletic ability caught up. And I think that's something to think about is we got to coach kids for who we see that they can be, not for where they are right now. Because when you look at him, if you see the kid right now, that's who you're going to coach. Well, I don't want coaching to be where he is right now. Let's look at where he's going to be in the future where and the best possible future. He may not get there, but let's be the ones that give him hope and encouragement and see that in him. Maybe we can light that fire to get that kid to become the best they could be. And that is incredible. I had no idea. I had yeah. no clue about that story. That's, that is incredible. And that just speaks to everything that we're about. Help kids see what they can be and not where they are right now. And, uh, 
as you're an adult. And if you take the wrong path and make some wrong choices, see where you can be instead of where you're stuck at right now. Gosh, that's, uh, again, another powerful, powerful gem that you just dropped right there, Coach Van. Uh, that's give Coach Parchment all the credit on that one. <laughs> yes, sir. But you're paying it forward. I appreciate that. Now, Coach Vin, I know there is a ton of content out there. Uh, myself, I bought the books right from Amazon, had them delivered right to my house with Amazon Prime. But can you can you just uh, leave on the podcast where our listeners can can tap into your content and learn more about the pistol and also uh, find your book, Finding Faith? Uh, the book, Finding Faith on Amazon, is a paperback. Um, and it's available in a day or two. Um, and then... Uh, of course, I've got some videos with Coach's Choice, some DVDs, and did a couple things on CoachTube. I'm actually working on a course right now um, that I'm going to put out, and um, it's on coaching for impact. I'm really excited for that because that's where, you know, really where I think uh, there's a lot of content out there. If you want to find stuff on the air raid or the pistol or offensive line play or anything like that, but, uh, but I want to put something out to help coaches players. And I want it to be something that, that gets them excited about our profession. So I'm working on that. And then I've got a blog, uh, coachvent.blogspot.com. And I just, man, I get on there and I just, if something is, hey, I need to write about that. I'm going to write. I'm going to And sometimes there's some typos, you know, every once in a while the grammar police come out. But I try to double check. But don't, you know, I try to put good stuff out there that coaches can look at and help, help guys to be able to build their program, uh, help guys be able to impact kids, because that's what it's really about. Uh, and then there's some, of course, Twitter uh, at Coach Vent. We talk a lot of football. And, and if guys ever need anything, have questions, if there's ever, I, I don't know a whole lot. You know, I really, um, I really just enjoy talking football and have a passion for it. But if there's anything that I can do and a guy has a question, they can email me at coachvent at gmail.com. And I always try to reach out and get back to guys as quick as I can. Every once in a while, I miss an email or I miss a, a DM and I hate when that happens. Um, but I, if I don't get back to you, just shoot me another one. Cause I've at times and I may have just got my head somewhere else and didn't get back to you quick enough. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, I can attest to that. You will uh, reply to everyone and try to help in any way you can. Well, coach Vint, again, thank you very much for joining the iCoach podcast and just uh, continue doing what you're doing. The best of luck to you, coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I uh, appreciate all you're doing with this, uh, with this podcast and everything you're doing to help coaches and kids. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Good evening.